Josh Wisconsin. It is episode number eight of the Development Hell podcast. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Harches, and on the other end of my uh, iPhone via Skype is Ed Finkler. How you doing, Ed? Hey, pretty good. Is it eight actually already? It is. This is number eight. Wow. So eight. So let's just hope eight isn't enough. Oh yeah, remember that oh, show? Pop culture reference. That's right. Yeah, I wonder how many of those people are dead now. <laughs> yeah, that's something I do all the time. I, I sometimes think of a sitcom, and then I think to myself, how many of those people are actually still alive? And you know you know what the answer usually is, Ed? A lot more of them than you're comfortable with. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, we have some special news to uh, for all our listeners. We uh, finally have a sponsor for our podcast. Yay! Yay! So, uh, uh, cocaine and uh, strippers for everybody. This is awesome. Yeah. And, and we're not gender specific, so male or female strippers. That's right. Any port in a storm. Whatever you're into is cool. No judgment. So, why don't you tell them who's sponsoring us, Ed? Well, I'm sure they've unsponsored us by now, but um, Engine Yard, fine purveyors of uh, cloud hosting for ruby and php yes one of the uh, uh leaders well leaders are one of the no uh leaders the wrong word trailblazers in the field of platform as a service yeah they're not a leader uh, really yeah <laughs> yeah they won't be after this podcast <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> made a terrible um, mistake. so also with uh with uh, engine yard they have a bunch of our buddies uh who work over at uh, orchestra.io who are helping uh, make uh, Engine Yard's infrastructure incredibly friendly towards uh, PHP people. Right. Uh, that, do you ever wonder, like, what the reaction was in, like, say, in the Rails community when Engine Yard announced uh, that they were uh, bringing Orchestra into the fold? Dude, I totally remember uh, how I felt about that because there were some, uh, some people who... Uh, uh, used to work for Engine Yard, who I was following on a uh, Twitter, I believe is the gentleman's name is Yehuda Katz. Oh yeah, a, right. I know that. So I when when him. the so yeah, so when the announcement came out, I remember him tweeting. Uh, he provided a link to it and said, "Does anybody want to buy his Engine Yard stock?" <laughs> so I think that tells you kind of how uh, how he how he felt. That's right. Psych. Um, so, um, yeah, so I imagine, I imagine some people weren't happy because, you know, let's be honest, uh, the rails people don't like PHP and they're never shy about saying they don't like PHP. Although I, although I will have to say that although the PHP people do, uh, give some dish, some of that back, they're not quite as vocal about it as the, the the Ruby people seem to hate PHP a lot more than PHP people hate, uh, um, rails. Maybe it's because a lot of PHP are, uh, are crypto Rubyists who just wish they could be using uh, Rails every day to make their uh, hipstergram uh, application instead of uh, slogging it through with PHP. I know, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, well, I mean, if they were going to buy anybody, it should have been the orchestra guys because those dudes totally know what they're doing. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's what, yeah. I mean, they took that from zero to acquisition in like a year. Right. That is the kind of uh, awesome turnaround and cash in that you need. They, you know, it's all about minimum viable product and, uh, pump and dump or whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm just making this shit up. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I, they hired a, they, in this acquisition, they got a bunch of really smart motherfuckers. So, uh, 
you know, bully for a- them, right? That's right. Eamon Leonard, they got Helgi, they got um, uh, David Collier, they've got um, uh, Davy Shafiq, yep. um, uh, Courtney, and there's a couple other guys who, who I just kind of know from uh, seeing stuff on Twitter. But, uh, but yeah, so... Uh, One time, uh, we were, I think it was at PHB Tech last year, uh, Court Ewing and uh, and I, we had to go. He had to buy a jacket because he had left uh, Pennsylvania without really any kind of like jackets. Like he just had like short sleeve shirts or something. And it was really cold or something. Like it was unseasonably cold for May or whenever that was. So we had to drive like all over Rosemont to find it. So that was an experience I had with him. Cool. Well, you know, there's a target just down the street from the hotel, right? There was some, there was some reason. Or did he have some unique requirement? He's not a hipster, is he? No, there was something. I can't remember. Oh, you know what it was, I think, was that nobody was stocking anything like that because it was fucking May. Oh, yeah. Right? So there's like. And Target is very seasonal, uh, seasonal about like their clothing. I've run into this because, God forbid, you need like uh, a ski cap in the middle of June because they don't have it. Yeah, you're not finding that shit anywhere until at least August. Right. So we ended up having to go to like a not a well, yeah, like sorry, kind of a sporting goods place, like a Dick's or something. I don't know if you have that shit up there, but you maybe you do in Lacrosse. Like a like a like a place that sold athletic stuff. Right? Yeah, no, I'm I'm familiar with the. Concept. Do you understand the concept of a? Store Do you understand that... the words that are coming out of my mouth? I love that yes. movie. Um, yes. but uh, that, yeah. So uh, we had to go and like drive ar- around, and finally we found this place because they, you know, it's like at an athletic store. They. I guess have stuff for all seasons, right? Yes. So yeah, so I'm not sure how that relates to Engine Guard exactly, but <laughs> they were foolish enough to sponsor this podcast, so it's coming to you. That's right. So thank you very much to Engine Yard for sponsoring but at least one podcast. The power of their money. <laughs> the power of their money. Money papers over a lot of problems. That's what I always tell my kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Solve all your problems, kids. Remember that. When the going gets tough, the tough cut a check. <laughs> I was. We we're trying to set up. Do you have this problem where I, I do you care? Do you have paper checks? I sure do, and we spell it check the proper way: C H E Q U E. Fucking French assholes. Um. A so. I don't have any paper checks. I don't use them. I don't. I don't own a checkbook, right? Because I just pay them all online for all my bills right. and shit, right? Right. But then it, we're setting up payroll or something like to get direct deposit, and they want to avoid check. They want to fucking avoid check. What? Is, why don't you just like have me fax you a floppy disk? <laughs> That's okay. You'll appreciate this, Ed. When I was filling out my paperwork for Kaplan Professional. Um, they needed to get a copy of my um, social insurance card, which is the same thing as the social security stuff yeah, in the right. States. And uh, they also needed a void check, 
which of course isn't a problem because we have them, yep. but they had to be faxed. So my wife oh, had God. to scan them at my house using the oh, scanner and then, dri- and then drive to the local, uh, to the local drugstore that has a fax machine right. and fax them. And she said this, there's this emo goth girl who works at right. the postal outlet yep. in the uh, thing. And she acted like it was the biggest imposition in the world that she had to operate the fax machine. And I agree. It's, it probably it's the, was. It's the 21st fucking century. Why am I using a fax machine? But, uh, um, but they got it. So that means hopefully um, I'm going to get paid. I so, got, okay. So there's that. And that's kind of stupid, right? Yep. I had to, okay. Massachusetts Institute of Technology. We're familiar with this learning grand. Uh, yes. Yeah, MIT. Yep. And I had to, a, a young boy foolishly asked me to write a letter of recommendation. Oh, this is I, I I assume he was rejected on the basis of it. <laughs> so I but I had to fill out this. Well, I, I just, you know, you write out the thing, but then you, there's like a form you have to fill out and I get the form as a PDF, but I have to fax. First off, if it's a PDF, why why do I have to fax it? It's electronic already. And then I couldn't like just I they weren't like just email it to this place. No, I actually had to fax it, so I had to. It took me longer to figure out how to take this PDF and send it to them via the Arcane fax system than to actually write the letter of recommendation. And it took me forever to write that letter of recommendation because I'm terrible at it. Yeah, in fact, it delayed this podcast for a week. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just about. Um, and uh, so I had to fax it to uh, to MIT. MIT. K E Y M. Sorry. Um, yeah, you know, I, I someone I, I do remember someone once telling me that there actually are services that will let you like scan something, attach some graphics, and then it'll fax it through the web. So I'm, I'm yeah, I I'm thinking if there, one of those. I'm thinking if there isn't one. That there's a there's a little hipster retro uh, service for uh, uh, for somebody to build for us. Go and go and build us a web interface to fax things, and we will we will say nice things about your project on our podcast. Oh, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were actually the other day we were discussing um, a uh, an import export system for Gimme Bar based on fax. Like you could fax <laughs> stuff into Gimme Bar, or or. Uh, like just have have like your entire gimme bar library faxed to you. Well, I think the bigger question is, did you guys fix the fucking broken search by tags no, thing? No, it's totally well. Bad. Then you don't do that import and export by fax until you fix that. I'm holding you personally responsible are, until that feature is done. There, are, you can hold me responsible all you want. There, I make no promises about the turnaround. So I guess we should actually start talking about some programming stuff since that's the main reason why people, I mean, I'm sure they love to hear us fucking swear at each other, but at, at some point, at some point, now that there's the pressure, the intense pressure of sponsorship, we have to actually talk about something. I, really. I don't know why we listen to what people want. I don't, this is not, um, okay. Yeah. We, so we had an idea of something to talk about and was like, what technology you wish you want to work with, but you haven't had a reason yet to do it, like a really compelling reason. And I know that it's definitely the case with me that there's stuff out there where it's like, oh, that'd be interesting. I'd like to explore it. But 
you sort of have to have a reason to do it, like a project or, and otherwise it's kind of hard to find the time to dedicate to actually like learning it well. Like I might dabble a little bit. Do you find that when you want to learn a new technology that you try to uh, sneak it in through the back door where you're working? Because that's usually how I try to do it. Because when the vast block of your committed time is to the job, uh, your brain will frantically search and try to find reasons to use it for your day job. Let me tell you, where I work, there's a lot of sneaking in through the back door, if you know what I mean. That's what she said. That's (laughs) either way. Um, But... Uh, yeah, to some extent, I, yeah, kind of, I mean, I, I sort of feel like I, I try to be conscious of, because there are other people who I'm, like, if it was just, like, me, and it was a project that just I was doing, and I knew no one else, or very few people were probably ever going to touch it, I might do that, and I probably did do that more, like, when I was at Purdue, or other times where I was sort of, like, a one-man band, but I think I, I'm, as it team on at, at fictive we can, i think i'm less likely to do that because i don't want to impose that technology and force people to learn that technology um uh you know just just unilaterally right um like i might screw around with something but it's probably not the case that i would be like hey let's take this opportunity to uh you know, do this uh, part of the app in Haskell, you know, and then suddenly no one else can work with it, right? <laughs> you know, that seems like kind of a dick thing to do. Um, but uh, so usually we sort of have discussions about that more. Um, and that's kind of tough because honestly, you know, especially when I'm at, uh, you know, with the fictive stuff, that's like pretty much all I'm doing now. Like I'm not working on a spaz anymore because I found like trying to do that and work, you know, as part of this, uh, startup team, uh, was, um, uh, too mentally taxing. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the, the right combination of words. No, I think, um, th- yeah. Oh, soul shatteringly, mentally- <laughs> uh, shattering. Hyperbole much? God. What'd you do? Buy a what you do, Ed, buy a dictionary with your half of the sponsorship money? Yes. Um <laughs> it's a big, big dictionary. Oh, um, that and a thesaurus. Yeah. I it was it was very hard to do both. Like a it was, so I ended up, you know, I kinda I had to step away from that and from Spaz and so now it's you know, the stuff that I'm interested in is pretty much to kind of focus on that. So it's just on the stuff that we're doing fictive. So unless it's something that's sort of related to something we're doing there, it's kind of hard to inject a new technology there. Now it doesn't mean that they're not opportunities. And it's like, you know, I've written stuff in node, uh, at fictive have done, you know, different JavaScript library stuff as it seems applicable, but like, I probably wouldn't be like, Hey, let's, let's write this in closure, you know, or something like that. Right. Although I'm actually kind of interested in learning that language, I, I you're not I, you're not enough of a of a, a douchebag to learn uh, closure. Too many, yeah. I don't see uh, your your well. Maybe if you grew your beard a lot longer, I could see it. But uh, lisp on the JVM. I mean, why, why don't you just why don't you just say all I'm ever doing is academic work ever again? Well, that's true. I actually kind of like lispy stuff, um, but. 
I tried working through a tutorial once with Clojure, and I got really confused by the JVM stuff, and my REPL didn't really work the way it was supposed to, and so I just gave up. One of the things that I appreciate all the time is uh, when I try to explore other you know, things, languages like this, is that is how good the documentation is, say, in PHP, or uh, I've been finding Python has really good documentation. And what doesn't have as good documentation? Almost anything else. Like, they're all not as good. Um, and you kind of get used to that, and what I found is usually the mistake, at least for me, is that the doc- like the documentation, as if it were written for me, is the mistake they're making is that they assume that I will understand what they're talking about in any way, shape, or form. That it's not, <laughs> it's not oriented at someone who really has no fucking clue about what they're talking about, right? And really does not understand anything about computer science or any of that stuff. Well, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't also occur to you, though, to add that there are certain languages that um, really uh, really aren't aimed at beginning programmers. I mean, if you want to use Clojure as an example, yeah, I've right. seen some. Um, I find Clojure intriguing. I don't know. I've never done anything with Lisp. Um, but I find it interesting that uh, Clojure is basically a one-man show, Rich Hickey, uh, who is – I don't know if you've ever seen any of his talks that he's done online – um, dude is one smart motherfucker and he has the, and he projects the attitude necessary, uh, to be a smart motherfucker who's creating his own language. Um, and so the concepts that closure talk about where you have a lisp running on the JVM that is focused on functional programming. Mm-hmm. So, so you think of the, your average, um, web hipster, you think of the three problems already. So number one, it's, uh, it's lisp, which will cause them to freak it's right. Java, which they're going, dude, nobody does any Java. Right. And number three, when you throw the functional stuff in, when you tell them, yeah, dude, that means you just can't rename a variable on the fly. They're going to go, just go oh, this closure shit. I'm going back to Rails. <laughs> so uh, so it's the perfect, uh, closure is the perfect anti-hipster language, which, uh, <laughs> which sounds, uh, uh, all of a sudden sounds very, very appealing. Now that yeah, maybe I, you should get into it. Now that I think about it. I've heard some people try to argue that JavaScript is a lisp. Um, not yeah, knowing. those people uh, have been hitting the bong before they say it. <laughs> I uh, I don't know enough to really make that call. Uh, so I I I did write some scheme in in college, right? And I think I got a C minus in that class. So so you copied some other buddy, some other buddy's notes and uh, yes. you managed to pass it, right? That is 100% accurate. There you go. Hey, hey, man, I went to college for computer stuff. I know exactly yeah. how it is. It was the group thing. When one of us had it done, all of us had it done. Yes. Hey, I think he threw away his, his code in the trash. Let's get it <laughs> out of there. And, That's right. Yeah. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. And I really still don't. But, yeah. Um, you should lob those softballs to me like that, Ed. It's not fair. Well, you know, I like to be self-deprecating. Oh, uh, y- yes, so I've noticed. So... <sighs> Uh, so let's. So what is the, what is the tech that you've been wanting to play with? It's not closure, is it? I mean, I know you brought that up as an example. I actually am kind of interested in closure. Like I'd like to give it more of a serious try. And I guess I, it, it was a. I spent a, probably a solid hour trying to mess with it, and and ooh, an hour. That's a hell of a commitment. I know. Well, you know, that's a. I that's some time I could have been. Uh, I don't know, playing video games or something. Um, so, 
<laughs> I was, uh, I, yeah. So, so closure actually was something I was interested in. Because, so what is, so what is it about closure that uh, has you interested in it? Now I got to remember why I gave a shit about it. Um, so I'm trying to, I better look this up now. I'm like, while we're talking about this, I better look it up and try to remember why I'm interested in it. I'm stuck in a hotel room in La Crosse, Wisconsin. You got all the goddamn time. you need. All needed. the time. Notice how I pronounce it. Closure. Just closure. I believe it's off. closure, but yeah. I could be wrong too. Actually in Google, it just said that it totally was like, you're a fucking dude. That's actually what came up. It popped up and said wrong. Um, <laughs> all caps R O N G. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think the thing was I just had heard some people talking about it um, as maybe, you know, I was sort of interested in um, JVM-based languages. I was already aware, obviously, some of there's, you know, there's implementations of like Ruby and Python and stuff. I was familiar with Scala and tried to kind of give it a shot. And um, I should preface this by saying that uh, a friend of mine was a co-author of this book and I... You know, he's a good friend and very smart guy. But I remember I tried to kind of look at Scala like a couple of years ago. So I, uh, or Scala, whatever the fuck you call it. I don't and, even know. I, I know what I call it. Shit. But keep yeah, going. Right? <laughs> so I was like, oh, maybe I'll check this out. And I bought the book. And it seemed like it was something where I should have been programming in a lot of Java to understand how it related to, like it was like it kind of felt like it was oriented towards Java coders, like transitioning to Scala. And I, it's one of those things where I think it's a little tough with a lot of these JVM things because if you don't know anything about sort of the Java environment setup process, you it's harder because you have to know that to set up a JVM language, right? Absolutely. Um, and they sort of are like. It, it seems like they quickly get into here's how you call Java like like classes from this JVM language. And I'm like I don't give a rat's ass about that, right? I, I don't I don't care about that at all. I'm interested in the language of itself. I don't I don't care about calling Java stuff, right? Um, but I don't know. Maybe that's just a sort of consequence. If it's on the JVM, they figure, well, you're probably going to want to do that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be the the use case for a lot of these languages that sit on the JVM, because it's, I mean, there is a, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but there is a very rich ecosystem of libraries for Java, and so if you can pull those in and use them in your, whether it's um, um, Scala, Scala, whatever the hell you want to call it, or Clojure, or even um, JRuby, um, there, there is some value to that, especially if you have... It seems to me that these JVM languages languages are almost like uh, an incentive for people who've been doing Java for a long time and want to start doing some other different stuff, and that right. they don't they don't necessarily have to toss away everything that they had done before in Java. They can just right. import they just can import the bits and pieces that they know really well and get that thrill of uh, developing in a language that is not Java. Well, and I think it's pretty advantageous. I mean, in the sense that I've often wished that essentially the exact same thing would happen, but on top of uh, the PHP runtime because I am less and less I I don't like how PHP is put together as a language um, and it annoys me more and more uh, and I think that's part of probably what 
like kind of had me exploring other stuff was because I was just thinking about that, you know, and there's, you're seeing some of that on top of like, say the JavaScript runtimes, you know, with stuff like coffee script or things like that. Um, and I often wish it was like, <laughs> I was sort of, you know, I think I was joking about that today or maybe it was yesterday on Twitter where I was like, I really hope that because now you can get a, a there's a mirror of uh, the PHP source on GitHub. I hope somebody forks it and, you know, implements a version of the language that, you know, sort of makes some sense. Um, yeah. You know, I saw that too. And, and uh, if we can kind of verge off for a second, my, my personal feelings on uh, PHP being available on Git now and that they will be accepting pull requests is that it actually, on the one hand, it's good that now more people can get their hands on the source code easily. But if they don't really accept pull requests outside of the core, then it doesn't fucking matter. Oh, yeah. And, and, that's, right. and that's really, part of me says that this is just some sort of um, PR move to make things look better. It's like, oh, look, you know, you can now clone PHP and, we, and, and you know, you can submit a, a pull request. But I'm like, the same stupid shit that went on before is going to just keep going on. And instead of people having their tickets, instead of having tickets uh, closed and people saying, this is not a bug, it's a feature. We're not changing it. They'll just ignore people's pull requests. So I don't, I don't know what to make of, 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 I understand that they're trying to perhaps make it easier for people to work on the core of PHP, but man, if they don't accept people's pull requests then it doesn't fucking matter what they're doing. Yeah. I'm for me, I guess I, I just like, my where I think the the language should have gone and where it has it is and like their priorities just fundamentally are different. <laughs> so I'm sort of I don't know I'm I, I'm sort of going back and probably being a little more pessimistic about PHP than I have been uh, the past few months. But the short version of that is it's sort of you know I was interested in kind of looking at all the different languages I'd heard people mention Closure a few times uh, from people who. I at least have some respect for. And uh, so I decided to check it out. Uh, seems like a decent language, you know. Um, uh, the syntax didn't completely throw me, uh, but I had some difficulty getting the JVM set up the way that the tutorial was talking about, and it didn't seem to quite work the way I thought it was supposed to. And uh, that was kind of off-putting. And at the end of it, I was kind of like, this doesn't seem to really work the way I thought it would, or I was hoping it would. And at that point, if what I had wasn't working like how the tutorial was talking about, I felt like I was kind of screwed. So I kind of gave up on it. Um, but I was actually, you know, interested in Clojure and, you know, maybe somebody who listens to this will tell me, well, this is how you do it, doctor, doctor. you know, but I, I, I. Uh, or the disrespect yeah. level is high on this podcast today. Right, yeah. I, yeah, I hope it, you know, it's fine. I don't know. Now, I this wouldn't be the first time. I've dabbled in Python here and there uh, at times. Uh, not even more than an hour. I've spent... Uh, I've written a few Python uh, scripts. Uh, one time I actually wrote an application that ran on top of Google App Engine. Uh, not a big one, but it was something. Um, yeah, with Joel coming on, and we've got the guys in the UK doing some stuff. I think we're going to be doing more Python work, and it where it kind of you know makes sense that we do that. Um, 
Yes, because I can say I've, I've sensed not just your unhappiness with PHP, but Sean Coates' unhappiness with PHP as well. You know, at the end of the day, uh, it's just tough with PHP because it is has been intentionally, uh, you know, let you know left organic, you know, to grow organically and kind of uh, anarchically. Is that the word? <laughs> uh, and that's that's a you know kind of where you are with it, and it doesn't have a uh, you know a BDFL or a benevolent uh, dictator for life, right? Yep. Or uh, or an, uh, some sort of oligarchy to uh, control where it goes, um, and I. But you know where that where the language has gone has kind of not been, I think, great for me. Uh, just in terms of that's just isn't how I sort of want to program anymore. And and so so I think that you know uh, Python is appealing in a in a lot of ways, and that's a it's a very generally clean implementation of stuff, and um, it does a lot of things. Uh, I think in a in a in a solid and uh, straightforward way. Uh, and that is a consequence, I believe, uh, of having one guy, for the most part, um, be in charge of it, and he being opinionated about it, and he implementing those opinions. Uh, you know, obviously, the drawback you could have there is if you have a guy who you know is in charge and influences opinions, and you don't like the opinions. But I guess that's why there are different programming languages, right? Right. <laughs> you know, um, and. Uh, I've heard, you know, when it kind of came up with this, like the micro PHP thing, and how uh, there's some discussion back and forth about, you know, how much just sort of like personal preference comes into the kind of approaches you want to take. And at the end of the day, I think there's, I, I do think that there's a lot you have to take into account, especially when you're working with teams. I also think, though, that a lot of what attracts you to, language A or language B at the end of the day has to do with what your personal preferences are and sort of how things work. And when I, I can read Python and understand what's going on pretty easily, as opposed to like, if I looked at Erlang, you know, or I, I've always found like Objective-C confusing. Um, and maybe it's just because of what I'm used to, but it's hard, kind of hard to separate yourself from that, you know, this, you know, that context, I guess, that cultural context that you have of uh, this is the experiences that I've had before. So that kind of leads you in the direction of what you're going to be comfortable with in the future. So I, uh, the long and short of it is that, you know, Python has been appealing to me for a long time, and it seems like we're actually going to have a lot more stuff to apply that to. God damn it, and I'm one jealous motherfucker. I know, it's kind of nice, right? It is nice. Um... What kind of shit storm you got going on there at uh, a Kaplan professional? Well, I mean, it is, uh, it's interesting in that um, the application that I'm working on is PHP uh, clearly, Mm -hmm. uh, because I don't think anyone would trust me to, to uh, be a senior guy with anything else at this point. JVM. Uh, Yeah. JVM. Yeah. We're going to run, we're going to run PHP on the JVM. No. Um, So it's a PHP app. It's actually quite complex. Um, they're using Kohana as their main framework, but they've done they've done something that I think. And here's a good thing we can talk about. They've done something that I that I personally think is a mistake that a lot of 
not just companies make, but individuals make as well. So you have a framework, and this is not this is not about how I dislike Kohana, because to be honest, I haven't worked uh, with it enough to have anything but a mild distaste for it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> go ahead. So, so here's the thing. Here's what happens, right? You pick a you pick a technology. In this case, a framework, because that's probably the most common right. starting point for PHP people. Not so much with even if you look at if you look at Ruby, you're basically we're using you're basically either using Rails. Or are you using Sinatra? And if you're using something else, you guys are so way out there that you only get really hardcore people wanting to work with you. And if you're doing stuff in Python, you're basically going to be using either Django or you'll be using one of, uh, one of a number of like, of things that are probably more closer to what your ideal of a micro framework is. So you'll have right. Flask or Bottle or WebPy and there's a whole bunch out there, right? So, but here's what happens. So you take a framework. And you say, okay, we're going to use, for example, we're going to use, Kohana, they're using Kohana 2. Point something, right? So right. the first thing you go is you look and say, oh, okay, so what's the current state of art for Kohana? Okay, so it's 3.2. And then you hear, yeah, we could upgrade, but, and that's always the word that I hate the most, as a programmer, as a tester, as anybody asking somebody a question when they say the word but. So they, you take a framework and then you extend it yourself. Uh-oh. And you create custom things for it. So... Uh, what's the correct phrase? Now you're fucked because you can't, you can't go and you can't even keep updating. Like when new versions of, of Kohana come out, they can't upgrade to them because in this case they um, created their own um, re- uh, request and response object. Now they did an awesome job with it and it fits perfectly with what they needed it to do. But the problem is now, um, now that Kohana has its own request uh, and response object it's just different enough that even with the uh, quite extensive suite of over 2,000 tests that they have for this application, which is the most impressive thing I've seen, um, is that you couldn't possibly upgrade. Right. So, yeah. so you're stuck unless somebody makes a major commitment to say, we are going to upgrade our application um, to use this. Right. So, like... I look at that, and my first initial thing is, what the fuck? Because I'm always a big believer in, uh, if you're going to extend something, you have to extend it in such a way that you can continue to upgrade the base behind it until whatever the base tool that you're using supports the feature that you've hacked into it. Because I look at it now, yeah, even with all these tests, we're looking at, I don't know, what's a conservative estimate? Six months of a grumpy programmer's time to go through and start swapping stuff out and dump Kohana 3.2 in there and start running all the tests and see what breaks and what doesn't break. I mean, uh, I mean that could really be the approach because we have all these tests and create a little skunk works thing and say, all right, Chris, I'm sick and tired of hearing you uh, complain about the lack of test coverage. Go and fucking fix this. So. So, I mean, that's that, that, that's a concern that I – I think that's a problem that I see all over the place, that they, you take something and you extend it. And especially if the framework or tool or whatever you're using isn't built in such a way that you can create plugins. Because it would have been awesome if you could have extended Kohana and added this custom response thing as a plugin. Because then at some point, you could say, okay, they have their own response object now. We can just replace it. Right. And use this new one. So um, that's things like that. I think they actually go beyond language because I'm pretty sure they probably happen um, in other languages with other 
um, web frameworks where it's the same thing. You start off using a base and there's all, and a lot of places are not like me who are hell bent for leather to always be using the latest stable version of every single thing that you have in your stack. So a lot of people, um, are a bunch of pussies and they fear change. So they don't want to, they don't want to try and see what's going to happen. So I look at from this perspective and the, the good thing that they've done is that they're only re- really using Kohana for request routing and everything else they're using Zend. Uh, right. components that they're pulling in. So it does mean there will be opportunities for us to um, upgrade and maybe even try to use some of the newer uh, Zen stuff. Right. But, but again, uh, Zen framework stuff, I should stop saying Zen all the time, Zen framework stuff. Um, even though it should be interesting with some of the Zen framework 2.0 stuff, since Kohan is not namespaced, it may be very interesting to see how um, we can handle that. I mean, they're already talking how there's some stuff that they would actually, they actually want to get PHP for. Uh, into our stack as soon as possible because we have uh, large amounts of our code that would greatly benefit from traits. Uh, you did you say five point four? Yes, because I think the five point part got like it blipped out, and I heard. Oh, sorry, I, I swear to God, I heard you say they want to get PHP four in the stack as soon <laughs> as possible, and I was like, what? <laughs> Yeah, no, sorry, bro, if I got clipped there. 5.4. That because, was pretty funny, actually. Because, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, because um, uh, one of the things that Kaplan has done that is awesome is that they have uh, a ridiculous amount of documentation, including having at least 20 screencasts that I've gone through and watched uh, that explain how all sorts of stuff in the system works. So in one of those screencasts, the developer who who's a senior guy, and I, I guess you could say I've kind of slid into a role similar to what he had and he left a while ago. I'm talking about PHP and it's recent enough that he knows about PHP 5.4. So he's like, yeah, traits from PHP 5.4 would fix a lot of these uh, kind of architectural um, uh, uh, awkwardness that there is in the application. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, traits are a really interesting uh, um, feature in 5.4 that it's a compelling reason to upgrade, I think. And so if you can do it, I, I really would rather use traits than a lot of other shit um, because it it just makes it makes things a lot simpler. I think uh, I still think it's it's still kind of harder than I'd like, but yeah, traits are are a really cool thing in five four. Yeah, so so you've talked about your desire for uh, how you've been looking into a closure. Uh, and other tech, and then we did my little segue where I talked a bit about what's going on at Kaplan. Right. And uh, and so I guess I want to talk about what I've been uh, thinking about and the technology that I, that I've been wanting to use. Right. So uh, again, it's no secret um, that I'm uh, an ADD programmer, and not just that. So I'm a grumpy, impatient, likes the new shiny thing programmer, which is a very interesting combination. And uh, so I've been wanting to get into evented stuff because, of course, PHP being very sequential, and it's not until recently that you could even had a even had decent support for things like libevent. So you could actually create a little client server thing and have it do with evented. So the the tool that the technology that I've made the commitment to play with um, is, and this is not a surprise, is Node. And but it's not. Node is what I'm using as a, what's the correct word, as a vector to get into more familiar with the concept of event-driven and concurrency and learning how to build systems that can handle that. At at Kaplan, they've been moving their whole infrastructure over towards 
a more um, service-oriented architecture. So that the learning management system platform that I'm working on, we uh, do a bunch of REST calls uh, to their business uh business BDS, business data solutions or business services. I forget. They keep, I hear two different names for it, but they've written all their stuff uh, as web services and they've done it in C sharp with uh, backed by um, um, MSSQL. So it's clear to me that the current programming trend is especially because of, um, I'm not going to use the C word with, because of virtualization options that you can, uh, you have to start thinking about how to build your app. That wasn't a- the C word I thought you were going to say. <laughs> uh, because of things like, and this is a natural segue, because of things like what Engine Yard is doing. Right. Um, uh, and, you know, Orchestra IO, and, and you can run little things as PHP, and we're auto-scaling, and all that wonderful stuff that comes with platform as a, as a service. Um, you do need to, I tell people this all the time, you can't just throw your shit up on Amazon and expect it to work exactly the same way. Yeah. So moving towards distributed small things uh, that can disappear um, at any time with the whim of uh, of your platform provider. So moving towards service oriented architecture uh, can only help um, uh, architecture astronauts like myself uh, feel even more important about what they know. Right. Right. Uh, so yeah. So I've been using I've been experimenting with Node and working on. Uh, Content that will likely go into my next book uh, on building APIs and, and showing how to build them and make them testable. And with your talk about Python, I've been thinking maybe to even go as ambitious uh, for the next book on I was going to show an example of how to uh, write and test an API using Node. And I might actually uh, take a look at uh, a Python-based solution, either Twisted or um, Tornado, which is another kind of uh popular event driven one. So it's, um, it's not so much the programming language that I'm interested in, but it's, it's learning how to code in a style that event driven programming requires, which, uh, leads to, um, callbacks and understanding how, um, requests filter through things and wind all the way back up to a point where you have to, um, where you have to deal with them. Yeah. I mean, it sounds interesting. And I think it would be pretty neat to see like, okay, how, I always find it interesting to see taking the same application and implementing it in in two or three different applica- or technology stacks. And I, I always kind of find that interesting and really useful because you don't get hung up in how the application's structured. You are just looking at like what the differences are and and best practices for those particular technology stacks. So yeah, because that's what I was thinking about. Like, I just I guess I just have to figure out a good name. For the book is clear. It's going to be the grumpy programmer's guide to something. And I just have to think of, uh, um, API I don't want, bullshit. Yeah. The grumpy programmer's guide to API bullshit. I don't know. Uh, grumpy programmer's guide to building evented APIs or just something like that. Just, I wanted to show people that, uh, you know, I, I think that I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that, um, applications powered by APIs are becoming more and more common as as more and more people um, discover the benefits of it. And I think a lot of that is actually driven by mobile, which is a good thing, right? Yeah. Uh, because I, I think that's yeah. the only way, I think that's really the only way you can do it because uh, you have an API powering application, then you can create a little PHP app that talks to the API. And then uh, you can break out uh, uh, like an iPhone app that does the same thing, talks to the API. So, so it's kind of funny how you break these things down, but you end up with actually, um, you create more smaller things, but you kind of end up with more consistency 
in mm-hmm. uh, in in what in what you're doing. Speaking of small things that you need more consistency or with, or I don't think I like this segment. something. Um, let's talk about our sponsor, Engine Yard. Click, deploy, innovate. With Engine Yard. With Engine Yard. And so, so they sent us this thing, like when we were trying to talk about like what we should do for the sponsorship thing in the middle to mention them. They sent us this video, and I'll just describe it. I'm going to play it, but you're not going to be able to hear it. I'm just going to describe what happens. And for the listening audience, I will tell them that um, um, I did view this video, even though I'm on my iPhone, and I believe uh, Ed can confirm that when I watched the video, my first reaction was, oh, look, there's a hipster right at the beginning. There's a, I know. It's great. He's got thick rimmed glasses in a cartoonish uh, caricature. Oh man, and Liz is going to ask for her money okay, back. This is, right? I, you know, it's late. I I get punchy. Um, okay, so let's see here. It's our point. Some music. Okay, so I have to pause it because is it's it talking. some indie band we haven't heard of? You know, it's, there's some jangly music, but it doesn't seem too indie. Um, and there's uh, this guy says. Hey, there! You've got an idea for an app, and you needed it deployed yesterday, right? Okay, so we—I think we've all been there, right? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to keep playing it, and then I'm going to tell you what happens. Right. It's platform as a service story sure. time with your host Ed Finkler. So I don't know what you just said because I was listening to this video. It said you'll, you'll hear it in post production. Believe me. Right. <laughs> douchebag <laughs> and it said but it's basically i'll sum up but it's a pain to set up all the infrastructure and you know it is kind of a pain because i think people are like oh I'll just put it up on ec2 what a fuck ton of shit you got to deal with I, doing I, that i can definitely agree with you that it is not <sighs> as easy as just pushing a goddamn button it's not you know and i got some asshole who's like now you got to learn puppet and, you know, shit like that. I don't know. Now you just tell Joel he can do all his puppet shit. I, we got other people to handle that. We let Canadians handle that shit. The Americans just focus on actually getting shit done. You know what I'm saying here, bro? Ooh, major diss. Yes. Get her done. All right. Ice burn. Uh-huh. Commercial. They say it's commercial grade. You can focus on building your app. What, what does commercial grade mean? Wait, what do you what? think it means? Well, I don't know. There's. Do you um, think it means that there's somebody that they can actually yell at if it goes wrong instead of blaming a neckbeard for his poorly documented project? I'm pretty sure there's a lot of neckbeards that work there. And I don't know the quality of the documentation. I would imagine it's terrible. However, <laughs> they have a... It looks like it, there's a box and it says app on it. And I think that's the app you made. Um, and it, But it kind of looks like a television with feet. Like, it's got legs and feet. Um, it actually, if you imagine, you know, like the Fry Guys from McDonald's. The Hamburglar is my personal favorite. Right. Well, he the Fry Guys are always around, like Hamburglar. Um, I, I remember there was a guy that we, when I, years ago, here's a nice segue, when I worked uh, at a grocery store in my right. teenage years making money, we had one guy that we called Fry Guy because he kind of looked like him with the way his hair hung down and shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. And we used to page him, Fry Guy. 
<laughs> that is that is gold. See, anyway, I was an asshole back then, and I'm still an still asshole. Still an asshole. Well, okay, so you got your Fry Guy app here, and then there's a bunch of shit that goes into that. It's like configuring hardware and operating systems and stuff, and making sure your stuff doesn't get broken into, and like. What do you mean the log files got too big and filled up my VM and now nothing works and shit like that, right? Application <laughs> databases, load balancers. Don't even ask me about load. People are like, load balancers. Could you set that up for me? And I'm like, I don't know what, dude. I just, I just echo I stuff. I don't know, man. I just work here. Yeah. I just, I just type echo dollar sign underscore get foo and that and then that's your application that is all i do i don't i don't know how to like <laughs> deploy like sharding what what are you talking about what sharding isn't that when yeah. you fart and yeah it's sharding <laughs> yeah i think i think engine yard will do that for you so let's keep playing here deploy <laughs> scale in a void did you say in a void what i don't know and then now they've got it said it's been battle tested and then they had a couple you remember combat for the atari it looked like that i had had, oh well so so there's some cop is there some copyright infringement infringement going on there is that what you're implying it well it the graphics are much better and um so they had two tanks shooting at your application but they were missing because it's uh they didn't wear their glasses or what no no it's because engine yard has such an like a really solid foundation to build your app upon and or something and the uh your app is in great shape and that's it so there's as said there's thousands of applications running on your and they all have they're all oh actually now i see they're not tvs they're windows Ah. like a window and i noticed that they're all osx windows because they've got little gems on the top left but they all have feet and many of them have hats i see a top hat a a fedora uh either a beanie or a bowler i'm not sure and they're all up in the cloud and it's because engine yard can handle all these things right (laughs) All right, so I'm going to keep playing here. 50 million unique use visitors a month. They handle that. And now that hipster guy who, like, is he's wearing a hoodie and he uh, is listening to Yola Tango on RDO on his MacBook <laughs> is now he's got, he like, the Engine Yard logo appeared next to him, and now he's got hearts appearing by him because he loves it, right? Or is he just showing his latest tat? No, no, it's not. It's not on him. It's like they're oh. floating above him. Right. So it's yeah. So it seems. Uh, so so let me see yeah. if I can figure out a summary of this video. Then, yeah. Right? right. So what they're saying is that it's. Uh, they're saying if you have some coding skill, mm-hmm. because clearly you're going to need some, and you have an idea that you right. want to get up get up somewhere. That's what she said. Anyway, so, uh, and you want to deploy it into an environment that's virtualized because, um, you are uh, too busy doing pushups to configure a server. So, 
uh, in, in true programmer fashion. So engine yard will provide uh, an environment where you'll throw all your stuff into like a little app container and then it gets pushed up onto their platform. And then they handle um, all the stuff that most programmers don't worry about until their application gets uh, horribly hacked. So they're going to handle um, um, log files and security by providing really restrictive access to your app. Um, they'll provide a place for you to look at um, your log files. And it also sounds like, uh, based on what I know about Orchestra, who is part of the Engine Yard group now, mm-hmm. is that they can also set up so things will auto-scale. So when uh, so when uh, you get, I'm going to show reveal my age here by saying when your app gets slash dotted, uh-huh. that uh, it's going to um, withstand a pounding because it'll be able to auto-scale up and then go back once the traffic goes down. So would you say that's yes. a fair summary? Yes, that Engine Yard lets your app withstand a pounding. Right. Oh man, I could say so many bad things about that phrase, but no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. So, not gonna go so there. yeah, I, uh, you know, click, click, deploy, innovate. I think that's actually a pretty fair uh, summary of that video. Yeah, I, I think so because I, I don't want to screw around with that crap, like and like tweaking config files and junk. So these dudes like do it all for you. So it seems pretty cool. Yeah, I'm the same way. The the older I get and the grumpier I get, the less I want to fuck around configuring things. I, li- yeah. I like the I like these ideas where they can build a little container for you, and then they give you. A f- I'm sure they probably give you a few rules saying that you know your app has to be built in a certain way with these configurations, or else it just won't work uh, in our environment. Well, yeah, like I know the orchestra stuff. I, I'm pretty sure it doesn't use Apache, so you're not going to be able to like use the Apache specific. Like, there's stuff to get Apache headers and shit like that in PHP. Well, obviously that's not going to work. But also then, you know... Yeah, but is that Apache-specific, or is that just Yeah, like- there's some, like... There, there's some functions in PHP that are only work on Apache. like, And they're actually prefixes, like Apache underscore headers or something like that. I don't so think like, I've ever used any of those. Uh, we actually did for uh, some of the Gimme Bar stuff. Oh, yeah? Um, And it was because we needed to get the raw request headers... Or, excuse me, the raw authorization header. And normally, oh, is, that your, is that part of your your the OAuth implementation that you guys put? Yeah, together? like we wanted to get because we we have a a bearer token based. We support a bearer token based um, OAuth v two style. But you guys were thing. token when you built that one for sure. Yeah, we were definitely token. And um, well, um, basically, uh, the mod PHP if it sees the authorization header, it just grabs it and mangles it immediately. Right, oh. as if it's basic auth, like right. it just treat or digest. If it sees this digest, it, it'll it'll do the same thing. But um, it will. Uh, it's you have to use that thing to actually get the original authorization header. So that was a place where we actually had to hard code that. So uh, like we, if we make a switch to say uh, Nginx or something, we'll have to actually modify that bit. Uh, that so. Yeah, that we're using in Frappy for it. So, see um, now no. I learned something. Now I learned something new that there are actually some functions that uh, are Apache only. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, and so I mean, I wouldn't encourage anybody use it unless they really have to. But in this case, you really, we really did have to do that. So because we're using Mod PHP and Apache right now, so I, you know, again, we'll probably have to move away from that to something else at some point. Um, but that'll not the be, other That'll one. be interesting to find out how you handle that if you move it towards using Python to pull the yeah. better information out to see how it handles Just that. Kill ourselves, basically. 
No, nah, come on. You know it'll be easier. I mean, uh, it'll be a hundred times easier because it it's like not designed to only work with the way that people wrote web apps in the year two thousand, right? Well, come on now. You're not being nice, Ed. Have I? Is that's not what we're about? You know that, bro. That's true. We're all about the hate, the hate, and the disrespect. <laughs> no, nah, it's just uh, it. It's like. Uh, it probably will be easier, although I expect that for our Python stuff, we probably won't be using Apache. So, yeah, that is definitely not the trend at all with um, with uh, with Python. It's becoming like Ruby in that you use you'll use like Nginx on the front end to uh, to proxy out uh, to handle the static assets, and then you'll use a proxy and pass all the all the Python requests. Uh, to uh, a, a ModWizGi server, or I've I've done right. that before too. We're just in fooling around and trying to get Django working with stuff. Right. Did the same thing. Thought, oh, I'm so fucking cool. I'll have Nginx in there and I'll handle the static stuff, and then pass the requests to. I believe I was using uh, G Unicorn. I think is the thing I was using. It's basically a a, a mod WSGI compatible application server. That doesn't even. Which is? Do you say you use G Unit? No, a G Unicorn. What? Okay, so there's here. Let me give you a little lesson, Ed, on actually knowing something about computers. Okay, that's helpful. So there's a thing called Unicorn. I've heard of that. Which is an app server for Ruby. Oh, I and thought so, we were talking about actual unicorns. Yeah, no, actually, not, no, no, like hipster unicorns, right? Okay, sure. So the way that thing would work, you'd have your web server set up, and it would serve up any static uh, assets that you had, and then you would uh, proxy any requests mm-hmm. that needed Ruby to Unicorn. On a, it would run on a, it would run as a daemon on a port and it would run all that stuff for you. Okay? All right, yeah, sure. So now in the Python world, they have uh, much as we have mod PHP for the Apache folks right. and PHP FPM uh, for those who want to use Nginx because it runs as fast CGI. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a thing called uh, WSGI. I forget what it stands for, but everyone calls it whiskey, which I think is a good thing. So what you then have is that you have a standard and people can write application servers or modules because there's a mod mod whiskey for Apache. Okay. So it's the same sort of thing. You'll run a whiskey compliant or whiskey compatible app server. And then same thing. You'll have, for example, you could have Nginx running as your web server. Right. You set things up. So again, any static assets get served up by Nginx and then any requests that aren't get proxied to uh, your mod whiskey server. And so a G unicorn is one of them. Um, I have a friend who's more into that sort of side with, uh, with Python and yeah, so it's it's basically the same thing. So we're back to this old idea where we have a web server and an application server. The web server handles serving up static content and HTML because that's what it's good at. Right. And then any dynamic requests get proxied over to um, to uh, something like it's called G Unicorn, Green Unicorn, because it uses the G event library in uh, Python to handle that. And again, the benefits to kind of setting things up like that is that then you can put like a cache in front of that. You could put varnish or squid or or um uh what's another one uh ha proxy in front of it so you can almost have it as it's only a last resort that any sort of code gets executed by your um, application server it's an interesting architecture not very uh, very common outside of the php world because most of those things require it's even a very common pattern from the java world where you have java application servers like tomcat and jetty and and shit like that it's the exact same thing your web your web server proxies the requests that actually need a real language 
uh, other than HTML and, and serving up CSS uh, to handle the request. Do you, uh, do you think that JSP is going to make a comeback? I sure as fucking hope not. Um, Why? Have you done any JSP work? Well, not like the last 10 years, but I think I did do a little bit like a long time ago. Then you are tainted. Oh, I'm, t- I'm tainted in many ways, but uh, that is one of those ways. I think I've got a book somewhere about JSP. You should use that to prop up your monitor on your desk. Shit, my just wipe my ass with that thing. You ever, what do you even do with those old books? Like I'm like I got I'm, I look like an asshole. Like what am I going to give a kid some Visual Basic Five book? Uh, I think you have two options. You can use them. Um, actually, well, two options. You can throw them out or recycle them. Whatever right. you want to do. Yeah. Or you could treat them as a physical object and use it for things other than as a book. For example. Um, at the Kaplan offices, at the person's cubicle that I am using right now, uh, they had two really big books full of uh, really super old material from like 1998 or something. Awesome. I have I have those suckers uh, elevating the two little tiny monitors they have me working on. Makes sense. So you do that that you could use it as a a doorstop. You could use it to put on top of a vent in your office if you have a, a heating register and too much heat comes out in the winter and too much cold air comes out in the summer. You just Put that big old Visual Basic 3.0 notebook on top of it, and you now you can you. It's a it's like having an individual thermostat in your office. Isn't it strange how when you work for a larger company and you're in like offices, where you end up just scavenging for parts like a post nuclear holocaust survivor? Yeah, you want, you want to know the fun thing? Since since we've already alienated most of our listeners, I can alienate no, the rest No of one's listening to this. Yeah. yeah, No one's listening at this point. So, having not worked in an office environment for almost five years, right. I've just, I, I got to rediscover the awkward uh, politics of uh, dropping a deuce in a bathroom when someone uh, else is there. I know exactly what you're talking about. So, you know what one of my coworkers said? He yeah, said, what? no man, you, you don't be quiet. You go in there and you own that deuce. You go into that stall <laughs> and, you, and you let it rip and you don't care who else is in there. And you make sure you come out of that stall and you go, God damn, I feel so much better. <laughs> <laughs> so I try to be polite, but I think, yeah, next time when I got to go in there, I'm going to own that deuce. Well, and, I, and I don't care if the CEO of the company is in the next stall and asks for a courtesy flush. I'm just going to, I'm just going to push that sucker out. Yeah. You got to take care of it. Like a true Canadian. <laughs> That's right. Take care of business. TCOB. Passing a moose. I think I think we may have found the name for the podcast. It's very good. Either that or Fry Guy, please come to the back. (laughs) Oh man, that Fry Guy shit that's gonna crack me up every time. Oh man. Um. So (laughs) I uh so I so you were you want to do invented stuff? Is there any other? Was there any technologies that you wish you could play with that you haven't or mess around with that you haven't had a chance to yet? Um, you can just say I, no and well, I'm just trying. I'm trying silence. to. Th- I'm, I'm trying to think. Like in programming context, no, I think I've pretty much covered it. That right. uh, vented stuff. Uh, in terms of projects, I would love to have a chance to play around with. Is uh, um, I tried for a while to get into the Arduino stuff. Oh right. Uh, right, and so uh, eventually I relented and realized that I had no time. So I uh, so I did the regifting thing. I took. I had asked my my sister to get me an Arduino for Christmas. So then once I realized I didn't have time to play with it, I then turned around and gave it to 
my nephew, my sister's son and said, I think actually this is better for you. So, right. um, uh, so there's the raspberry Pi. I don't know. Have you heard about this, uh, about this little device? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've actually, you know, kind of followed that thing. So that yeah. is, that is something I would like to play with because the idea for, 35 i think it's 35 euros so i don't know what the exchange rate is these days probably that is probably 100, probably 100 to 1 at this point US uh, dollars, the US that is like oh. a 600 dollar computer all right so so it's it's a little linux box on like it's the size of like probably no bigger than my uh, jesus phone uh, right. and dude i was i i saw a video of this thing a guy was using it showed a demo of using it as a home theater pc it could stream out 1080p uh, video yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I actually am kind of I kind of do a lot of home theater PC stuff. Like we yeah. have computers hooked up to both of our T our TVs and actually multiple stuff. Like I got a DVR and a PS3 and a Roku and now it's a black MacBook um all hooked up to the TV in the living room. Nice. And then upstairs we have the Xbox 360 and a Windows PC. Um that's doing HTPC stuff up there. Oh, do you have like flat rate electricity? Because I can see lots of I can see your electricity meter spinning. I'm surprised it hasn't pulled up pulled your house up. And oh yeah, pretty much. I don't like I don't even know what's a lot, but our what is my electrical bill is usually about a hundred and twenty dollars a month. Is that a that's lot? Re- I don't think that's a lot. It yeah, it, it wasn't. It never struck me as like oh wow that's crazy expensive from what I heard. Now it's true that. I'm sure all these things are, are, you know, power drains or whatever they call it, leeches, you know, because they're not actually off there. You know, I don't unplug them. So, uh, but, but yeah, uh, I'm, I really, uh, we watch, we have a lot of video archived, like, you know, on a, ser- a server and play a bunch of that shit. So I would love to, I would, I would love to get that sort of setup going. So I'm wondering if maybe I order three or four of those little raspberry P, uh, raspberry pies and grab some external drives and, and see what kind of interesting things I can, uh, I can get up to with that. Cause my yeah. wife, my wife loves the uh, uh, on-demand stuff that the cable company offers. So oh, I'm right. sure, she, I'm sure she would be really, uh, she would be happy because I have an Apple TV, right. but I have one of the old ones, the version the, the ones with an actual hard drive in it. And to be right. honest, I'm, to be honest, I'm thinking of dumping the thing because I can't do anything to it. People tell me, Oh, you could put boxy on it. Like, I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. I don't want boxy on it. I want to be able to hack the shit out of that thing and make it do something that's not supposed to be doing. So there's, there's like two like ways that you can kind of go with that. And the, so obviously the fact that I have like five fucking devices hooked up to the TV tells you that I can't decide which I want to do. Um, there's the like approach, the, the thing that's going to give you the most flexibility is actually putting it, hooking a PC up to it, to the TV, and then you can like do whatever the hell you want to. But the problem is you can do like the myth TV thing, right? Where you can can program it to to change channels and and record things. Yeah. We don't do, we don't do any, like our, we have a DVR box from the cable company that handles that. I don't do any like recording on the PCs, but so, uh, so we like on the downstairs. We're on Xbox Media Center on the MacBook. Um, uh, well, it's not Xbox Media Center anymore. I guess it's XBMC. But XBMC, yes. right? Um, and then, uh, but so the the problem is that that works well like ninety five percent of the time, 
And then there's the 5% of the time when you're out of town and the rest of your family wants to use it and the thing takes a complete shit and they can't watch anything. Right. Um, the other thing you can do, like the opposite side of the spectrum, is you buy a box like an Apple TV or I have a, like a Roku, which you can get Rokus that, that do 1080p uh, real cheap, like 70 bucks, right? It's like so cheap that you can, it's almost kind of like, even if the thing fucking sucks, it doesn't, like, it's not the end of the world that I spent yeah. $70 on it, right? Right. Um, those are really good at doing things like playing Netflix. The Roku has good, inter- if you're an Amazon Prime customer, there's a lot of Amazon Prime video you can play, and it has that built into it. Um, and there's some other stuff that's less interesting, like Crackle and shit like that on it. Um the thing that kind of stinks with the Roku is, 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 and with other devices like this, is like, well, what it does, it does well. Now, trying to get it to do something else, like, oh, I want it to play, you know, these MKV container format files that I downloaded from, you know, German BitTorrent sites and play them off of, you know, my NAS, you know, over our Samba share. Well, it may or may not really work, right? And it's, you know, it just probably is not going to work, right? Um, But it works a lot better and it's a lot simpler for doing the stuff it's designed to do out of the box. And it seems much more reliable and blah, blah, blah. So that's, it's, it's like, if you want it to do everything you want to and you want to hack on the stuff, you definitely want to go down like the having a real computer route as opposed to sort of a dedicated device. All right. But it also means that there's going to be times where you're like, why the fuck did I ever think to do this? This is, <laughs> yeah. this is the worst idea I ever had. When when it's like 1230 at night and you're just trying to watch a show and it doesn't work and you have to go downstairs and reboot the server and, you know, figure out why shit isn't mounting and crap like that, you know. So, yeah, the Raspberry Pi thing looks kind of cool, um, though, for that, the, the whole roundabout thing is that it's, like, perfect for that kind of deal. Because you can just buy one, and it, even if the thing doesn't, like, it sucks, you didn't, like, invest a huge amount of money in it. And you should be able to put something like XBMC, you know, booted off of a you know a compact flash card or something like that, and it freaking works. Compact flash, wow. Well, you was it? It's an man. SD card, I guess, is what. Yeah, it it's is. SD card. Yeah. yeah. Same shit. I don't even know what. Yeah. Mean. So so yeah. So that's kind of where I, where I'm at. There's there's some hardware stuff I'd like to fool around, but but of course the irony is that the the cool wicked ass home theater PC thing is not really for my benefit. It would be for the benefit of my wife and my two lovely daughters because really right. I'm not. I don't want to sound like a hipster douche, but the only real reason I watch TV is to watch my Blue Jays. So oh, yeah, uh, I, I watch I, I watch live sports and then live sports and then some HBO series, so like Game of Thrones and right. other stuff like that. So, um, but of course, the the irony is now that um, now that I bought the MLB TV application, right? Um, I, I can watch baseball on the on downstairs, and I have to listen to Blue Jays games on the radio. Uh, if if somebody doesn't want to watch the game with me, though these days I I usually put my foot down and say um, it's baseball season. I'm watching my motherfucking Blue Jays, so you right. guys can you, so so my two kids you can go downstairs and watch TV. Dad's gonna be angry. Dad's That's been drinking right. again. Dad's been drinking again. Oh, this diet. I can't drink beer. I'm even more grumpier than I normally. Uh, is there any like 
uh, zero calorie alcohol? Um, no, it's not calories. Yeah, it it's uh, uh, for those who are interested, and there may be one other person left listening at this point. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to do uh, the paleo diet, which is um, oh, right. you, you cut out grains. You so you have you cut out you try to cut out grains. You try to cut out um, non natural sugars. So like you can use honey to sweeten stuff instead of regular sugar. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so since uh, beer is essentially bread water, um, yeah, no beer. But I can drink gin and tonic, which uh, made me a happy motherfucker at happy hour the other day. Nice. Three, $3 gin and tonics. That was pretty good. Does this paleo thing have any scientific basis? Uh, yes, because what it does is the, the goal of paleo diet is like you're supposed to, it's a, it's a low carb. Mm-hmm. Low carb, high protein. So what it does when you eat that way, your your body uh, thinks that um, you're a big badass hunter, right. and that and that there will always be food coming because you're a big badass hunter. So it doesn't want to take all. It doesn't want to take the carbs and sugar in your body and turn them into fat. All right. So that's the whole point of the the paleo diet. Any of these diets that are high protein, low carb, is that you're trying to tell your body because normally what happens the the high carb diet tells the lizard part of our brain that no more food is coming. So we have to store up as much fat as we can to survive the upcoming famine. So, so that, so that's why people who eat um, high carb diets end up being fat fucks because, um, uh, because your body thinks that, that there's a a famine about to come and you're going to need that fat to survive it. Isn't there a way to just reason with your body? Sadly, no. If it was, if it was, we would have figured it out already. That sucks. Um, yeah. Well, I know what you mean. I guess I've been, I kind of have been trying to cut out my carbohydrates and stuff. So I, I know what you mean. I mean, the basic stuff of it. I think it's interesting that you're still talking about like, um, you know, drinking some alcohol, just not like beer and, and then still using things like honey. But I guess it's not like you take a whole bottle of honey and just shoot it down your throat or something like that. Well, the idea sounds appealing at this point, but uh, uh, yeah, I'd imagine. But yeah, so it's just like the paleo thing is supposed to be eat the stuff that our ancestors used to eat before we came up with the high carb, high grain diet, which seems right. to. I will say this to people, to the half person who's half asleep listening now, right. is that um, for some people, the uh, a diet with grains and refined sugars is okay because your body chemistry is such that. It breaks that stuff down really quickly. Right. So when I see skinny people eating bread, I'm like, yeah, dude, your system's already uh, finely tuned. You have no problems. Right. But, for the va- but for the vast majority of people, um, a diet that has a lot of grains and a lot of carbs in it is not good because it encourages your body to hold on to everything right. that you're eating. So uh, I can say, because I'm, I'm okay to talk about this, I Back in the middle of January, I weighed myself and I was up over 300 pounds and I was not, 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 not happy with that at all. So I'm down. I don't know how far I'm down now because I've been away, but I was down um, 20 pounds at one point. So um, and some of that has been just it's it's just been cutting out the stuff that just wasn't necessary. Cut out the chocolate bar, cut out the uh drinking two glasses of pop have like half a small glass slowly working down to where to where the things that you were just mindlessly eating um you're no longer doing it so so yeah while i'm here in lacrosse the paleo thing is hard to do because i can't really cook things too well in the hotel room here yeah 
So I've been trying to eat lean meats and I've been eating lots of green leafy vegetables and avocados and, and, and stuff like that. And um, I feel a lot better. And I'm sure some of that is kind of a placebo thing going on. But um, I find that I'm not having the same sort of stomach troubles. Like I can drink, I could never drink uh, regular milk uh, for the, for about 15 years. I just couldn't drink it. It would give me intense. Oh, they're stomach, right. Yeah. Intense stomach pains. And um, now that I've switched and cut out some other stuff from my diet, I can shotgun down a big glass of, I had bought some organic chocolate milk when I was at the grocery store. I can have a big glass of that and my stomach doesn't rumble at all. So nice. it's interesting um, how changing your diet. Um, and I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know what, I don't know what it is. I'm no longer eating that. My body now says, yeah, dude, we can handle some milk now. So um, it's been very interesting. Um, and, and I will say the, the thing, paleo seems easier to me because a lot of the things that they recommend eating, I enjoy eating already. So it's not like I look at, oh, I'm going to have to eat a mess of celery and carrots and cucumbers and I hate eating my vegetables. I'm like, no, man, I was eating that stuff already. So it doesn't feel like, um, um, doesn't feel like a hardship. So you were eating basically honey and deer legs. (laughs) No. Oh, okay. I misunderstood. Well, like I had the fun experience of I went and ordered a nice Reuben sandwich. You've had those, I'm sure. Oh, I love Reuben's. Yeah, sure. So I had a Reuben. And um, I said, I'll have the Reuben, but with no bread. Yeah. Th- see, I am sort of, I'm, I'm not uh, trying to be uh, mesozoic about it like you, but um, I get to that point where I'm like, I would like to eat this, but just the part in between the bread right. and not eat the bread. But I feel like a total asshole asking for that. Uh, but you know what? When I first started doing that, um, I felt the same way too. Right. And then and I did that at a restaurant and I said, I said, I'm sorry, I don't want to be difficult, but I'm trying to eat a specific type of diet. So I want to order this, but I don't want any bread with it. And instead of the fries, I, I'd like a salad. And so the person's like, that's awesome that you want to eat like that. Yeah, right. And, and I was like, all right, cool. So she got herself a good tip. So she's a manipulated me site, uh, site you know manipulated me into giving her a good tip but i think these right. days it's i think it's way more acceptable to say i would like this right but just but just slightly different so i'd like the reuben sandwich without the bread i'm cool with the sauerkraut on it um i cheated and had a little bit of the sauce and i had a nice salad with it too and i was nice and full and um it was like a fist of meat that's how big the the portion was on this right. thing right so i was like yep i had my lean meat uh, I didn't have any bread. I had a nice uh, green salad, and um, I feel good about myself. Well, on that note. On that note, I think we're done. I think that we should thank our Thank our uh, sponsors sponsor. at, at Engine Yard. I know we yes. made a little bit of fun of Engine Yard in the middle of the thing while we explained the video. As I, as I called it, uh, uh, it's platform as a service story time uh, with your host, Ed Finkler. I like that. Um but uh, but yes, Engine Yard has been very gracious and agreeing to sponsor this podcast and future podcasts as well. So if you if you are somebody who has a little bit of coding skill and has some and has an idea that you want to see get up um, uh, for the rest of the world to see, I encourage you all to check out Engine Yard. Yeah. And, and if you're into PHP, check out Orchestra, who is a mem- proud member of the Engine Yard family. Platform as a service is, I would say, is definitely a, a known and proven technology now. 
and there's no reason uh, to not take advantage of it. So uh, this has been episode number eight of the Development Hell podcast. Uh, as always, you can find us online at Twitter. I'm Grumpy Programmer without the U. Ed is Funkatron with the U. And you can find the podcast at devhell.info. So uh, or, thanks or, a lot. Or and dev we'll, underscore hell. Or dev Twitter. underscore hell is Twitter. Not dev hell as I kept doing it, but yes. So dev <laughs> underscore hell on Twitter, devhell.info uh, on the web. We're also in iTunes with a nice big uh, this is a motherfucking explicit podcast tag on it. So, as always, we welcome your questions, comments, and we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks.